It's time to immerse yourself in the world of college football. ESPN 1000 has studied hard and has all the answers. This is Chicago's College Tailgate Show. With Jonathan Hood, Chris Black, and Adam Abdallah. Advanced degrees not required. Understanding the Wildcat? Essential. Chicago's College Tailgate Show. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app along with Adam Abdallah and Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you. Follow the show on Twitter at ESPN1000CCT. We get you ready for week five of the college football season. The Pac-12 schedule's out. We're going back and forth and trying to determine how does a Pac-12 team get into the <laughs> national championship. We uh, have answers for, and uh, we you know, got questions as well for Adam Rittenberg from ESPN.com. Covers college football like a blanket. Adam joins us here on ESPN1000. Adam, Jonathan, Adam, and Chris, thanks so much for your time. Hey, good to be with you guys. Good morning. Good morning, my friend. So the Pac-12 schedule is out, and uh, as you got a chance to take a look at it, what stands out most about the Pac-12 schedule? Yeah, I think it's the Oregon's crossover games. You know, having uh, you know Stanford, which you know, it's kind of a mystery team this year, but the game at Cal could be a, a really interesting late season contest. You know, Oregon's a defending Pac-12 champion. They're uh, probably the only legitimate hope for a playoff team in the Pac-12, and even that's a long shot. But I think Cal is, is going to be really good and probably the top challenger for Oregon in the North Division. So uh, having them um, you know, on, on the road you know, late in the season is going to be kind of an interesting one for, for the Ducks. And, you know, again, just the different crossover games, that was always kind of the question is who, who was going to get who because you only had – the, you know, the five division games plus the one crossover in the regular season. And then we'd have a crossover game, obviously, for championship weekend on, on December 19th. So we always talk about it in the context of the college football playoff. Should an undefeated Oregon or USC or another Pac-12 team that goes undefeated, should they be considered for the college football playoff with only playing seven games? Right. And I think the only way it happens, and I was on a, a Pac-12 radio show the other day, I said you really have to start rooting for losses in other conferences. Like the Big 12, you, you want to root for Texas to lose. You want to root for Oklahoma State to lose and so that they don't have an undefeated champion. You want to have uh, the SEC with only one legitimate playoff hopeful when it all is said and done. You know, you know kind of same thing with the, the Big Ten and the, and the ACC. So, yeah, it's going to be really tough to get a Pac-12 team in just with those seven games. But if, if one team is dominant enough and it's a year where uh, the other champions uh, are either uh, not as dominant or you only really have one team coming out of the uh, Big Ten, ACC, and an SEC, you, you, you never know what could happen. Certainly it has not been a great start overall for the Big 12. And, uh, you know, they're, they're a league that right now doesn't look great to get anyone in the playoff. As we turn to the games today, Adam, we look at TCU heading on the road to take on the Texas Longhorns. Could TCU somehow pull off an upset today? Yeah, you always have to look at the series here. And Gary Patterson has done such a great job at TCU over many, many years and has had success against this Texas program. They beat them last year in Fort Worth. I think they picked off. Sam Ellinger, who's a, who's a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate, two or three times in that game. Uh, and I think they won three years ago as well. And so even though they are a heavy underdog, and Texas, I think, is leading the nation in scoring offense under their new 
coordinator, Mike Yurcich, who came over from Ohio State, and obviously Ellinger, at quarterback. It's going to be a tough test for that TCU defense, which seems to have dropped off a little bit in recent years. But you know, TCU got their own quarterback, Max Duggan, back uh, last week. He'd actually had a heart issue in the preseason and amazingly kind of made it back to play in their opener. So he's a very effective player, young quarterback, and I think he'll give them a chance. But uh, you will see how Texas responds. They were very, very fortunate, as you guys know, to win that game last week against Texas Tech on the road. Their defense has been challenged this week, I know, and we'll see if they can tackle better and, and keep the score down against TCU. The man who called Rick Renneria an A to B uh, manager, it is Adam Rittenberg, <laughs> covers college football like a blanket for ESPN.com. He joins Jonathan Adam and Chris on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Adam, where's my soft landing into the Auburn game? Where's my FBS blowout to get comfortable <laughs> with, the, with our offense right now? So Georgia-Auburn... Still question marks on who's going to start that game. Do you have any info on that as far as what's going to happen in Athens today? Yeah, y'all need a quarterback, Jay Hood. Um, and it could be one of three players, honestly. Uh, you're just talking to some of the folks at Auburn. They're, they're, pre- they're preparing to see potentially all three quarterbacks, including JT Daniels, the USC transfer who was finally medically cleared from his knee injury. He had a knee injury in the opening game of the 2019 season and wasn't cleared until uh, this week, honestly, because he wasn't, he wasn't available for their game at Arkansas. So it, you know, they're expecting to see Daniels at some point. I think it's going to be Stetson Bennett who came in to relieve, uh, to, to, to relieve Dewan Mathis in the opener at Arkansas. You know, smaller guy, former walk-on, but, but, but was pretty effective in the second half with, with those tight ends. And I think Georgia's improved at tight end and, and receiver. I don't think they're as strong along the offensive line. So that's the big storyline today against a young but very talented Auburn defense. Pretty much a new defensive front for Auburn, but they're really talented in the back seven. And so, you know, again, this has been a low-scoring game the last few years. I expect it to be a low-scoring game again. What did you make of Mike Leach's debut uh, in the SEC, and is that sustainable throughout the, uh, his time at Mississippi State? Yeah, so the, the comment out of the coaches in the SEC is, is look out. Leach can do that. He just plays without fear. He doesn't feel like he has to, to compromise his system. And, you know, he's pulled off these upsets in the past. But the, th- the thing that, the, you know, coaches in the SEC are telling me is he'll go ahead and upset uh, LSU and, and who knows, maybe Alabama or, a, or an Auburn at some point. But then watch out, they'll lose to a Vanderbilt or they'll lose to, like today, uh, I don't know if they're going to lose to Arkansas. But, you know, a team like that, that they that they're, you know, have some momentum, they're feeling good about themselves. They haven't been the most consistent team over the years under Leach. Uh, and so that's kind of the key. C- can they sustain this uh, this momentum? KJ Costello, an incredible performance at quarterback, a record-setting performance at LSU. Uh, I think if he has another big game today, you know, we're going to start talking about him as, as a real Heisman Trophy contender along with the Trevor Lawrences and Justin Fields just because we know what type of numbers quarterbacks can put up in the Leach offense. And, you know, Lawrence goes out there and throws – or sorry, Costello goes out there and throws for more than 600 yards at LSU, and so that could be the norm for them this year. But the consistency factor is certainly something to watch with with Leach's teams always. The Gators of Florida are hosting South Carolina today, and uh, their duo of quarterback to tight end Kyle to Kyle have been fantastic to this point in the season. Is Florida for real, and can they uh, kind of run the table here in the SEC? Well, their offense is for real. We know that, and um, you know, you mentioned Kyle Pitts, who who is just an outstanding tight end probably uh you know one of the the two or three best tight ends in the country and then Kyle Trask and here's a guy that you know when Dan Mullen got there you didn't hear a lot about him he wasn't expected to do much and and here he is as a senior after a solid junior year 
with, with a terrific performance last week against Ole Miss. And this is just it's just what Dan Mullen does. He develops quarterbacks, whether you're a five-star, whether you're a three-star. Uh, quarterbacks flourish in his offense. And so I would expect them to win today. I think that the key is how are they going to do against uh, Jonathan's Bulldogs? How are they going to do against Tennessee? They actually they have A&M next week on the road. So we'll find out a little bit more about Florida. They, they seem to have taken a step back a little bit, guys, on defense. But uh, it may not matter with, with the offense if they have a lot of firepower throughout that unit. Adam, as always, we appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the show. Sounds good, guys. Have a good day. It is Adam Rittenberg who covers college football like a blanket for ESPN.com, joining us on Chicago's College Tailgate. Jonathan Adam and Chris with you. One of their games we'll keep our eyes on on CBS at 2.30 will be Alabama against Texas A&M. Some thoughts now from Dad. Uh, Nick Saban, the head coach for Alabama, his thoughts on how this will be a tough test against A&M. You know, Texas A&M is a very good team. You know, Jimbo has done a really good job there. They've got like 16 starters back from last year's team, um, seven or eight on each side of the ball. Got a really good running back. Quarterback's got a lot of experience, uh, very good player. Um, you know, offensive line has four out of five starters back. Spiller's a good running back. They've they've, they've got really good players. Um, they've got seven or eight starters back on defense and their defense was ranked last year, played very well last week against Vanderbilt and only given up 12 points. So um, this is going to be a much more challenging game for us. Uh, it's a good all around team. They play well on special teams. They've got good specialists. So um, it's going to be necessary for us to make a significant amount of improvement and play for 60 minutes in this game uh, because of the, the type of team we're playing against here's Jimbo Fisher on the other side of this matchup well I mean you can't you can't give him anything you got to make him earn anything you definitely I say this turnovers and big plays affect the game more than anything and third down conversions in your red zone opportunities man you look at every game that's the biggest things it does we got to take care of the ball on offense you got to be able to create explosive plays and stop them but up front your battles up front and in, in the trenches are going to be big because Alabama offensive defensive lines are both very physical and very big and very experienced so I think in those regards, you know, you're going to have your hands full. And, of course, their skill guys are good, too. But you got to be able to take care of the football and establish yourself on both lines of scrimmage. Roll Tide. Adam, what did you think of uh, Alabama's performance against Mizzou? Uh, I thought it was pretty vanilla. I thought that they hit a lot of stuff. Uh, I know that they they only had a 23% success rate on first down against Missouri. Um, They only had 33 rushing yards in the second half. Uh, you know, they're playing a Texas A&M team that ranks uh, 17th as far as explosive plays. And that's how you beat Alabama in, is those big chunk type plays where you get, you know, behind the safety and you can throw. It's always been the case. You can throw on Alabama. And if you get a quarterback that can throw, you know, you have a chance to beat Alabama. I know the margin of victory has been 22 the last uh, six or seven years. So Alabama looks to be in pretty good shape. But Jimbo's always got something. You know, and and Alabama needs to, you know, stick to their game plan. Don't get cute. You know, continue with what they have and just keep, you know, this Najee Harris, keep the ball on the ground, that kind of thing. Avoid the turnovers like Jimbo said. Just basic football, you know, like avoid turnovers, run the ball well, convert third downs. And I think Alabama will be fine. But Jimbo Fisher is always one of the coaches that I worry about when uh, he comes in and faces Alabama for sure. This is breaking news. Powered oh. by Points Bet Sportsbook. Yeah, shake on Chicago's it the stick. home yeah. of sports. Yeah. Hang on now. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. We turn now to Chris Black with breaking news. All right, guys, uh, NFL fans. Adam Schefter is reporting 
The Patriots quarterback Cam Newton has tested positive for COVID-19. He's now out for Sunday's game against Kansas City per Adam Schefter and Field Yates. Schefter also goes on to say the Patriots have been doing mass testing and retesting. So far, there is no spread per sources. So if you have Cam Newton in your fantasy lineups or if you're looking to gamble with the Patriots who were getting points against the Chiefs, that is a big blow. And also, think about for the Patriots going forward. I know we're talking college football here on Chicago's College Tailgate, but if he has COVID-19 now... 14 days out, that means absolutely next week also out. Yep. And then, you know, but like we've seen here in Chicago with Yoan Moncada, Moncada was not the same player this year as he was last year. Mm-hmm. And he talked about the effects, the after effects of COVID-19 and the toll it took on his body. You wonder what this is going to do now with Cam Newton going forward with the Patriots. Yeah, uh, Moncada was lethargic, yeah. Not did not have the same speed uh, and he talked about that. So it affects people different ways, as we well know. But number one, we hope that Cam is going to get better. Number two, it will be interesting to see how the Patriots move forward without him more than likely for the next couple of weeks. All right, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Brad Edwards breaks down the numbers for Georgia against Auburn. What could happen in this contest? Find out next. More college football talk is right around the corner. Chicago's College Tailgate Show. ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Bruce, uh, Chicago's, uh, Chicago's College Tailgate. On ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. Jonathan Adam and Chris with you. Follow the show on Twitter at ESPN 1000 CCT. Also on Twitch as well. Good conversations there, right, Chris? Absolutely. On ESPN 1000 Chicago, join the Twitch feed, join the chat, join the conversation. A lot of conversation about uh, whose team should get into the college football playoff if they're undefeated and uh, whether or not a one-loss, two-loss SEC team that Abdallah thinks should just automatically get in. He thinks Jeremy Pruitt he, he and the, the three-loss Tennessee Volunteers <laughs> should get the, into the college football that's playoff. That's not what he said. That's exactly what he, he said. He, I, 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 I didn't listen know that. Uh, that you listen, you fine. No, no, no. You're please, going at people please. in the chat. You're, no, just you're, having West Coast better, bias. you're having a better show in the chat than, than here on just the program. Just West Coast bias because he's going, with the, he's going with the classic, well, SEC kids don't actually go to class and they get paid and it's like okay all right the only one who didn't actually go to class was joe burrow because he's a graduate transfer and he's 45 years old um it's true true. quarterback in the nfl listen i get it no that's fine i would you know what i would love i would love nothing more i would love nothing more because i've said it all the time ucf uh you want an undefeated usc memphis come on in (laughs) come on into our little playoff but when you get when your ass gets beat never again never again that's right tyler never Never again. again Never, Never again. again. Your, your little small schools find some nice little cute team. Is that what you guys see on your show? Nice little cute team. A little cute team. Yes. Yeah, yes. Little, Shout little out to uh, Southside Tim hanging up on us last night. How about that? He's getting he's getting testy. Yeah. He didn't like that. He didn't it's like. Right. The we'll sh- hear from him in May. <laughs> Could be the case. Saturday night specials comes your way at uh, ten thirty right here on ESPN one thousand. We put money in your pocket, Chris. Can I uh, just uh, can we talk about someone for uh, two seconds? Did you guys see that is Rashad? A, is this a sidebar? Because we got to get to Brad Edwards soon. 
Yes, uh, quick sidebar. Rashad Bateman, did you guys see the reigning uh, Big Ten wide receiver of the year last year? Has opted back in for the Minnesota Gophers. Mm-hmm. Yes. And he is also changing his number from 13 to 0. He talked about it, and the reason he is changing his number is because he has zero tolerance for racism and social injustice. So I just want to give a, a quick shout-out to Rashad Bateman, one of the best wide receivers in all of college football. It was going to be a huge loss for the Gophers and for us who enjoy college football that he wasn't going to play. He has opted back in, so it's big for P.J. Fleck and the Gophers. I'm very nervous, guys, about uh, about the game as a Georgia fan, as a take on Auburn. As I mentioned to Adam Rittenberg, I need my soft landing FBS game just so we can figure out whether or not Stetson Cologne Stetson Bennett the fourth is going to be able to quarterback the team for the fourth. He's got IV on the back of his jersey, like he's some. I don't know if he's. Is win. he featured on uh, Southern Charm, the show on Bravo? I was going to say. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if he was, he's going to win a football game or wrangle me some steer. <laughs> exactly. Stetson Cologne, the brand that fits, and he, as as it'll be, uh, I guess Stetson. Uh, against Bo Wonix, the uh, quarterback or the uh, running back for um, <laughs> for Auburn, I'm a little a little rattled about this matchup because you know Georgia watching the game against Arkansas, where they were able to get you know 33 points. I was think it was a 32 to three in the second half. Adam, I believe that's how it mm-hmm. ended for for Georgia. It just didn't look good. Down seven five at the half against the Hogs, and then they came back to win the ball game. But my concern is, is that when they take on an Auburn team, this is a little different because it's Gus Malzahn, and it just uh, it feels urgent so early in the season. Yeah, and I think that you know the 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 big game between Auburn and Georgia for you, it's a big test right now. Yeah, you know, especially this early in the season. What do you expect from JT Daniels? He's not going to play today. But is this just waiting and biding time? Because as Chris has mentioned in the past, JT Daniels doesn't get his way. He opts out and enters the transfer portal. So can they have success with the third backup for for JT Daniels? Is he going to start next week? Are they going to be able to run the ball, control the clock, and keep the ball out of Bo Nix's and Gus Malzahn's hands? I don't what, know. What, 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 what trick play is Gus Malzahn going to try three or four times in this game? There, there There's a... There's something when you play Auburn and Gus Malzahn to keep it close, and there's always always be wary of the trick play, right? Always yeah. be wary of the fake punt. Always be wary of something crazy happening whenever you play Auburn. It's happened to Alabama a few times. It's happened to Georgia a few times. It's going to happen at some point. Georgia just has to be ready for it. Is Kirby Smart ready to go through these big games every single week in this shortened schedule? I think Kirby is. I'm not sure if the players are. No. Yeah, and, and we talked about last week with Auburn. Their play calling now is coming from Chad Morris, and Bo Nix has been pretty good. So, like, the Gus Malzahn trickeration, uh, I'm not necessarily sold that that's going to continue the same way because it seems like their offense has been pretty good. I would be concerned, though, for the Bulldogs because your defense is stellar. Yep. But the offense, the run game is there. You have a whole bunch of different running backs you can put in at any time and get you yardage. But can you go down the field and then go head-to-head with a quarterback like Bo Nix, who has what I think the longest streak in college football without throwing an interception, right? And that's a yes. streak that goes back to last season. So like Bo Nix is the real deal for the Tigers, and I wonder if this game is played in the 30s, whether or not Georgia can keep up with that pace. Well, Nix uh, against... 
Kentucky, 16 for 27, good for 233 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, and six out of his pa- six out of 12 of his passes uh, to Seth Williams uh, last week came off of play action. So you've got to be wary of the play action. They like to run that a lot. They get like to get him running out of the pocket and then throwing deep. So beware of that too uh, for today's game. So you understand, Adam, that Gus is ready for Georgia because he's all he's landed on thick. Oh, Georgia, the most talented team in the SEC. Oh, yeah. Looking at a team that's probably the most talented team overall in the yeah, SEC. Yeah. Very well coached. Um, you know, you look at them defensively. Uh, they're very sound. They make you earn stuff. They don't give up a whole lot of big plays. And they got most of their defensive back uh, that I thought was excellent last year. And, uh, you know, their defense coordinator does a great job. And obviously Kirby, uh, you know, has his hand on the defense and, and, and one of the best in the country. Offensively, uh, you know, their OC, Todd Munkin, is a guy that's been successful in, in uh, college. He's been successful in the NFL. Um, so it's a, it's a good big task for us, but I, I will tell you this, our guys are extremely excited to be going there and playing Georgia. Mm-hmm. Here's Brad Edwards with more. Clayton's it deep down the field. Touchdown, Auburn! Turn the lights up in Athens, Georgia! On November 11, 2017, number one Georgia was embarrassed at Auburn, allowing 40 points in a convincing defeat. But since that day, no team in the SEC and only one in the nation has been better on defense than the Bulldogs. Unfortunately for the Tigers, they can vouch for this improvement. Over its last 30 games, three of Auburn's five lowest point totals have come against Georgia. In those contests, the Auburn offense has converted just 13 times in 48 tries on third and fourth downs. And it's been held under five yards per pass attempt in every game. It hasn't helped that 74% of the Tigers' offensive snaps in those games have come while trailing on the scoreboard, including every second-half snap. Georgia-Auburn, one of the most traditional rivalries in all of college football. It's always a tough one. We'll go over there and see what happens. This is going to be a good one. Ready or not, Auburn now gets another shot at Georgia's D. Will this Tigers oath be up to that challenge? ESPN's Brad Edwards, Chris. I'm a little rattled today because it's so sudden yeah. how quickly this matchup is. But you know what? This is exactly what we want as college football fans. You want to cut the fluff and you want to get right to conference play. This should be really good tonight. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things I guess I didn't quite realize with the SEC is that this is the oldest rivalry in the SEC. Uh, the 125th meeting will be tonight. And I guess for Georgia fans – I didn't think that Auburn was on the list of the absolute top rivals for you as a Bulldog fan. You know, I know Georgia I, and, I, and Florida. I, I the, Florida more. Yeah, right. Florida's the, the, the one, right? Yeah. And then is Auburn number two then for you? Yeah. And Alabama is like fourth, third or fourth. Well, that's what happens. Turn your mic on, brother. That's what, saying, hap- yeah. that's, what, that's what happens when I'm you're saying, yeah, <laughs> I'm just agreeing. It wasn't time for me to talk yet. You guys are talking. No, no. but I, I, I was uh, I I guess I didn't realize because usually when we get to that Auburn, Georgia game, there's so much other uh, great stuff on the college football docket that I didn't realize that this is the oldest rivalry in the SEC, which yeah. is kind of special that they get to play, continue on this rivalry throughout the pandemic, because the only times they've missed in this rivalry have been due to like World War One, yeah, back in like the 1918 era. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so it's pretty cool that they get to continue this on because if you have a favorite team and you have those great rivalries, 
you don't want to see it broken because of something that we've all gone through in this last year. Yeah. Who's the best unit on the field going to be today? Uh, it'll be the defense. Def- Georgia's de- defense, de- right? Defense's line. Yeah. Defensive line, for yeah. sure. Yeah, so get to Bo Nix, you know, rattle him a little bit, and, you know, it should be a a tight, low-scoring game, I'm thinking. You know, I think the over-under is at 45 right now, maybe 44 and a half. Um, but it should be a, a tight uh, you know, grind it out kind of game. I, I hope you're ready. I hope you're you're ready for one of those tight. Rattled. Yeah, exactly. Rattled. Those tight grind it out type of games in the S. The an older school SEC game, maybe. Well, here's a number for you: 175. If the if Georgia runs a football 175 yards or more, I think we have a chance to win the ball game. Mm-hmm. I'm not putting it in Bennett's hands to try to win the game because Nick's clearly is the better quarterback out there. Okay, but you you got to go back to the bread and butter of running the football. Now again. It's not a dynamic running game as we saw in the years past. This is not running back you. It's just a bunch of young guys out there. But I think you have to commit to the run if you're Kirby today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Keep, keep it on the ground. Keep it safe. <laughs> and grind it out and, and escape out of there with a victory if you can. 43-and-a-half is the over-under in this contest. For the first half, the over-under is 21-and-a-half. So, yeah, not a lot of points. No between these two teams, expected from Vegas today. All right, let's put some money in your pocket as we do our Saturday night specials, and that's next. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. This is Chicago's College Tailgate Show with Jay Hood, Black, and Abdallah. It's time to put money in your pocket. What's wrong with making a few bucks on the side? It's the Saturday night special. You want some of this, don't you? Yeah! Well, you need to know the winner. And I know the winner. It's time to put money in your pocket. It's the Saturday night special on Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000. All right, place your bet. Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app, along with Adam Abdallah and Chris Black, Jonathan Hood with you. We're every Saturday giving you the best in college football conversation. We're going to build a bridge to Florida and uh, South Carolina, 11 o'clock start of the broadcast right here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. All right, guys, let's take a look at our picks. But before we do that, we have some more news regarding Cam Newton and the New England Patriots, right? Yeah, so Adam Schefter is reporting now that all the players were at the facility getting ready to leave uh, for Kansas City. They were sent home. They were told to stay by their phones uh, for an update. Their flight was supposed to leave at noon um, uh, central time, and it is not going to be leaving then. So it it looks like this game is on track to uh, being canceled. And the news is that Cam Newton tested positive for COVID-19, thus setting off this chain reaction. And it sounds as if uh, Chiefs and Patriots tomorrow is not going to take place at noon tomorrow in Kansas City because as of right now, the Patriots are sheltering in place, Mm -hmm. going home, uh, quarantining, and they will not be leaving and traveling to Kansas City. So, you know, what it, What does the NFL do with this? Do they try and bounce it to a Monday, uh, keep it on schedule? You know, we've seen them kind of take the precautions with Tennessee and uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers this week with their situation. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out over the course of the next day, but there's a lot that kind of goes into play here with Cam Newton testing positive because the Patriots released a statement saying that 
all of the individuals who were in close contact with Cam are all now self-quarantining as well. So you would have to imagine the quarterback's room, uh, quarterback coaches, offensive coordinators, right? All those individuals now have to be put onto the side. So even if you got back some negative tests, right, uh, of other players on the team, how how can you play a football game if your entire quarterback room is now in self-quarantine for the next two weeks? You know, this is going to be longer than a one-weekend thing for the New England Patriots, sure. I'm guessing, right? Like, Well, this is what – Well, Is Jared Stidham in a separate room when they're going through tape? No, Probably not. No, he's in the same room. And yeah. So through mm-hmm. COVID-19, you're going you're gonna to have these issues. It's not yeah. a surprise, right? No. We've gone through this with Major League Baseball. Again, you are tempting fate – Every time you step on the field, as much as all three of us and everyone listening and watching love sports, you realize that COVID-19 is a thing. And so if, even though you want players to go home, you don't want them to be even close to anything with COVID-19, this is what it is. You never know what's going to happen with this, with this pandemic. And with the Titans, originally they had a number of positive tests. And then as the week went on, a few more players tested positive. Yeah based on just the incubation period it takes mm-hmm. for COVID-19 and the virus to, to take hold. More players tested positive body. today, yeah. this morning. So, yeah. so I just wonder about the rescheduling of all that. How mm-hmm. much do you push it back? How much do you reschedule toward the back end of December before you get to the playoffs? As teams are staying safe or have zero positive tests, how does that schedule work for them? Well, here's what the, the NFL has the luxury of time. You know what I mean? Like, the, there's nothing going on in February. You can move the Super Bowl. You can move the playoffs. You yeah, can it's keep in a moving. warm weather city yeah, anyway. You so. can keep yeah. moving stuff. Like, you don't want to push this into, you know, we're getting into March and April. Could. But if you but if you need to move something two weeks, it's not necessarily the biggest of deals if you just push the schedule back a little bit. The, look, if anybody's going to find a way to get these games in and get everybody playing, it's going to be the NFL. The NFL has has acted like this, not that it's not a thing, but they're like, we're starting on time, we're yeah. doing our draft on time, we're doing everything on time, and we will survive in advance. And they will have a plan. They've moved the Titans game, they moved the Steelers game, all that stuff. So they'll they'll find a way, even if it means moving the playoffs and the Super Bowl back. All right, let's take a look at our Saturday night specials here to try to put money in your pocket every Saturday right here on Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Adam? Let's start with Texas and TCU. Mm. Uh, so we know that the Horns can score. Uh, they've done it in bunches with an average of 61 points per game so far. The question is whether they have the defense to create separation between themselves and the Frogs. Coach Tom Herman said his defensive players were embarrassed after allowing 56 points and 447 yards against the Red Raiders in Week 4. Um, given Texas' struggles against the pass, the Frogs can hold their own, definitely. The over-under is 62.5. Give me the over in Texas, Texas, uh, I'm sorry, Texas TCU. and TCU, yep. the over 62 and a half. Lock it up. Adam? Gentlemen, uh, 3 o'clock this afternoon, Virginia Tech at Duke. Duke is 0-3. Uh, Virginia Tech played their first game. Uh, this S&P Plus had this game as a 19-point spread. Right now, I believe it's a 12-point spread, if I'm not mistaken, uh, if depending on where you're looking, uh, 13. It's up to 13 right now. So give me Virginia Tech minus the 13. Lock it up. Chris? Jonathan, I'm with you on this big nooner on Fox. Mm. TCU at Texas. Uh, last year, uh, Sam Ellinger, who's been fantastic to this point in the season with 11 touchdowns 
and 10 of them have been passing touchdowns. He threw four interceptions against the Horn Frogs of TCU. Uh, since the beginning of Big 12 play in 2012, TCU is 6-2 and two against Texas, including 3-1 and one on the road in Austin, Texas. I am taking the points. The, Longhorn, uh, the Longhorns right now are the favorite by 10.5. So give me the Horn Frogs, oh. the upset. The, give me the 10.5 points, TCU, and the points. There you go. There's my first pick. TCU plus... Ten and a half. Plus ten and a half. All right. Second pick, SMU Memphis. Adam? Mm. Yes. Was yes. It 75 over under. <laughs> you got you guys see that this morning this line has completely flipped now. Yeah. SMU's now the favorite by mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I've got to mess with that. But it's the 13th time that the two programs have gone head to head, and Memphis has ridden a six-game winning streak to a nine and three record in the series. Memphis is five oh and one against the spread during that winning streak. But SMU did push last season as a six-point underdog in a 54-48 to loss. The Mustangs ran circles around Stephen F. Austin. That's Steve Austin's music <laughs> last Saturday. And the extra yardage was 424 yards versus 192 yards. That paid off. I'm looking at the over-under in this game as well. SMU and Memphis. Adam, I have it at 74-and-a-half this morning at 6 a.m. Do you have it at 75 uh, like the 74 and a half on the over under 74 and a half. Yep. 74 and a half. I love the under in this game under SMU Memphis 74 and a half. Lock it up. Uh, coming up here at 11 o'clock in just about 15 minutes, Baylor and West Virginia. Baylor. We saw Baylor beat up on Kansas 47 to 14. Uh, we saw West Virginia lose to Oklahoma State 27 to 13. SP Plus has this as a 10 point spread. Right now, Baylor is a two point favorite. I think Baylor continues to roll. I think West Virginia uh, is overmatched in this game. I think Baylor is more prepared to play. Give me Baylor minus two. Lock it up. Chris Black. Kick it in. Uh, Baylor minus two. Stamp. Is stamp, a, stamp, a stamp, stamp play. Stamp, stamp, stamp. I also have, I am on Baylor minus the two. So you two agree. 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 Just kick it in the bucket. All right. So we need a tiebreaker at some point. Mississippi State against Arkansas. Uh, well, <laughs> so as I look at this contest, we did see KJ Costello transfer from Stanford. 623 yards and five touchdowns in that win in Baton Rouge, 44-34. Felipe Franks, a Florida transfer, had mixed results uh, in his first game under center uh, for Arkansas. Uh, Saw this game and said, boy, Mississippi State could put up a lot of points. 68.5 is the number. They might get all of those points, and Arkansas may not score. Give me the the under 68.5 when Mississippi State and Arkansas lock it up. Adam? I just told you that Baylor beat up on uh, Kansas 47-14. to uh, We saw Oklahoma State beat West Virginia 27-13 to last week. They beat Tulsa the week before that. Not a very good win against Tulsa, but they still came out with a win. I'm going to continue to pick on Kansas. This isn't an Oklahoma State pick. This is an anti-Kansas pick. Uh, sorry, Danny. I'm going to keep picking on Kansas. Uh, Oklahoma State minus the 23. Ooh. Lock it up. Oh, big number. Well, you know, that's going to come through. That's going to come through. Why do you pick against good teams? Because they're bad. Chris Black. How is Danny? I miss Danny. I, I never see Danny any, anymore. Danny's is as relaxed as he's ever been. Wonder why. Because he's not around me anymore? Because uh, he's around me, pal. Okay. All right. Good. <laughs> good. 
You're a good buffer. I, I agree. There's no question. Yeah. See the numbers? Go ahead. I'm going to the <laughs> ABC game tonight. Uptick. <laughs> at 6.30. Wait. Oklahoma. Oh. On the road. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> and... They're in Ames, Iowa against Iowa State. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma on the road is the favorite by seven and a half points. I like Matt Campbell's team. The Cyclones are always a scrappy team with good defense. And we've kind of talked about it to this point. Spencer Rattler, a five-star recruit who started off the season hot, threw a bunch of interceptions last week, seemed rattled. I like the Cyclones to keep it closer than the experts oh. think. Give me Iowa State plus the seven and a half points. Not at so home. fast. At home at night. I like that. Cyclones pick. Plus seven and a half. Seven and a half. Yes. Seven and a half. Got that hook. I love it. All right. And that is our Saturday Night Specials right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Coming up next, we talk about college football and COVID-19. There's a head coach that's not happy that there's not butts in seats during COVID-19 at a college football venue. That's next right here on CCT. All right. More college football talk is right around the corner. Chicago's College Tailgate Show. ESPN 1000, Chicago's home for sports. We're going to uh, lead you into Florida, South Carolina at 11 o'clock right here on ESPN 1000. A great college football Saturday to you. Uh, got a chance to talk to Howard Griffith. Uh, Cap and I got a chance to talk to Howard Griffith, the two-time Super Bowl champion, does postgame for the Bears here on ESPN 1000. His son attends uh, Notre Dame as a football player. Asked him about the Notre Dame COVID situation. Remember, they had a game last week that was postponed against Wake Forest. Some thoughts now from Howard. Coach Kelly came out and, and said uh, it really stemmed from a pregame meal, I believe, that they, they hadn't been really being involved with. And for whatever reason, they decided to go in that direction. You know, the numbers are what they are, right? You can't hide from the guys that, are, that have tested positive, the guys that are in quarantine. Right now, my son's in good shape. He hasn't tested positive. Um for the virus, so you know we're we're you know pleased with that, but it, it's tough. And this is you know this is what we knew was going to happen in, in college athletics because there was really no true bubble. And this is something that you know has to continue to be managed on every campus, uh, you know, across the country. Uh, and it's one of those things. It's like most things in 2020. It's unpredictable. Yeah, multiple players on uh, Brian Kelly's team with COVID-19, including the president of Notre Dame, John Jenkins, right here on the home of the Irish ESPN 1000. Now, there's other issues regarding COVID-19 and Dan Mullen, the coach for Florida, Chris. Yeah, on Wednesday, uh, I saw this story in the Orlando Sentinel. Uh, Dan Mullen surprised and disappointed that tickets are available still for today's game, the Gators' home opener against South Carolina. Uh, they can have about 17,000 people in the, st- in the swamp, about 20% capacity. And as of Wednesday, there were over 3,000 tickets that remained available for fans who wanted to see South Carolina and the Gators uh, kick off later on today down in the swamp. And, and I think it, was, it caught my eye because... You have the head coach going out who's concerned, disappointed, surprised that there are still tickets available. And the first thing I thought was, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense. Like, even though you can open your stadium to whatever capacity that you want to open it to, it doesn't mean people are feeling safe on buying tickets and showing up 
to mass gatherings like a football game. I know there's people who are diehards and they'll go no matter what, but I'm not surprised that they still have tickets available, even though the head coach of the Gators, Dan Mullen, is surprised. I think that you have to, you know, you do what you feel comfortable with, right? And looking at these games and watching these games, yeah, they can set up the seats away from each other, but people are still close together. You don't know if the people you're sitting next to are going to keep their masks on the entire time. It's hard to go into these stadiums and enforce 20,000 people to keep their masks on unless you have someone, you know, walking around the entire time or multiple, multiple people walking around all the time. So, like, I'm look, watching these games and it's like, okay, some stadiums require you to have your mask on the entire time unless you're eating or drinking. Some of them are like, when you get to your seat, you can take your mask off. I mean, I think we're seeing that that this is obviously uh, it has has been since March very serious and I don't think you should be calling out people for not doing what they don't think is safe. Well, well, well Just, two schools have already been um, two schools have already come out and told the students that they are not complying with what they put out. South Carolina came out and said something after mm-hmm. last week's game, mm-hmm. and Oklahoma after their first game came out and said something too. And did you guys see the the screenshot of one of the stadiums? I don't remember which one it was. But it was basically there was social distancing uh, as far as going through the stadium yeah. uh, side to side. But vertically, every row was filled with people. Yeah. So so like the whoever tweeted out the screenshot was like, good thing uh, COVID-19 doesn't travel up or down. Well, right. It, like it can't be. But we can't be. Surprised. Everyone was in a straight line. Yeah. But we can't be surprised at this here. Even in 2020, there's a lot of selfish ass people out there that want to do whatever they want to do. And yeah. so for Dan Mullen to say what he said, Dan Mullen is is a microcosm of a lot of coaches that feel like they need that home that home field advantage. So they want the stadium filled up with 100000 people. And that's just not going to be not the case. You have to be able to live in the real world. It is October 3rd of 2020. You have to understand where we are with COVID-19. And for those that still don't believe it's a thing, you know, we got the president of the United States and, and members of his staff that have COVID-19 and are, are trying to get better from all of this. So the point is, is yeah. that even with that, you can put people, you can tell people what's going on. You can say, hey, make sure that you protect not only yourself, but others. And people couldn't care less. Because people are selfish, including coaches. So Mullen's thought is not a surprise to me. Look, and this is now starting to hit the NFL, too. We saw heard the news with Cam Newton. They're talking about uh, possibly canceling that game or moving it to Monday. Ian Rappaport is now reporting the Chiefs practice squad quarterback Jordan Tamu has tested positive for yeah. COVID-19. So you wonder... How close was he in contact with the practice squad guys in contact with the rest of it? We talk about the quarterback room. Was he in contact with Patrick Mahomes? This is something that, you know, teams have to deal with. This is something that is affecting every major sports league. You know, the NBA and uh, the MLS and all those, the, the teams the, and, and the NHL that had a bubble got through it with no problem. You know, the MLS the had NHL to got team. through it, no problem. The NBA still has two more games. They have two more games, but by that. all accounts, they've have no they haven't had any positive tests so far in a while. You know, college football, they're canceling games left and right, and teams have time to make them up, hopefully. With the NFL now, now we see another member of the team on the Chiefs now has it. We saw what happened with the Titans and the Steelers. So it's it's just it's 
fluid. We thank you for being part of our program here for Chicago's College Tailgate on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app. Our thanks to you for listening and watching on Twitch. Our thanks to Eric and Tyler on the other side of the glass. Our thanks to our guest, Gary Seegers. We found a friend. And Adam Rittenberg from ESPN.com was with us as well. Coming up next is Florida against South Carolina. SEC college football the way you like it right here on Chicago's Home for Sports. Don't forget Black and Abdallah, 6 to 8, Monday through Friday, including this program, CCT, and I'll be team with David Kaplan mornings between 7 and 10. All part of our great station, ESPN 1000, Chicago's Home for Sports. Thanks for listening. This is Chicago's College Tailgate Show with Jay Hood, Black, and Abdallah. ESPN That's 1000 so and the Roll ESPN time. Chicago app. We're going to go out there. We're going to play the game. We're